and uh, I'll probably just ask you questions about yourself because I actually find you uh, quite an interesting, <laughs> interesting person. And even though we haven't uh, sat down and chatted in a while, um, actually in a long while, uh, it's uh, I'm really interested in in talking to you and and catching up with you. So yeah. Excited? Absolutely. Well, welcome everybody to Beer, Bourbon, and Balderdash. And uh, tonight I have a special guest, and that is Adam Nonis. Uh, Adam and I have a, a friend in common. Um, uh, her name is Trina. She listens to the show as well. Well, it's your <laughs> wife. It's my friend. Um, but uh, so I met Adam uh, through Trina when she uh, dated him and married him and then had two beautiful kids with him. So. Adam. Yeah, not a lot of dating. Yeah, <laughs> that was a quick turnover. It was, but that's okay because uh, it's worked out. Congratulations! Mm-hmm. Twenty three years. That's I know. That's fantastic. Yeah. Same with us. Same with Dan and I. So uh, I think uh, what's when's your guys's anniversary? Uh, March sixteenth. Okay, it was payday. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I needed I needed that extra hundred bucks to get the to pay for the license. So. Where, <laughs> where were you working at the time? Car toys. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Did she meet you at Car Toys? Yep. Were you an installer yeah. there? Yeah, I was the assistant install manager, and she was uh, cellular sales. Okay, that's right. I remember she was cellular sales. I don't think she liked her boss, though, if I remember correctly. Um, he had his moments. Yeah, we had to we had to uh, keep our feelings for each other a secret for oh. quite a while. Okay, because I was management. So was it the owner she was working with, though? At one point, wasn't she working with the owner? Yeah, she went to work at the corporate offices. That's okay. kind of once we got married. Yeah, she went to work at the corporate offices as an executive assistant. So, is Car Toys even around? They are okay. <laughs> I mean, there, who? There are a lot of questions about for how long. But because well, do they do? Do you know? Do they do cellular sales anymore? or Anything like that? So, from what I know, uh, they split out the cellular side to uh, create a company called Wireless Advocates. And they were um, set up inside all the Costco's to do the cell phones. Oh, okay. Yeah. And one thing Costco is notorious for is finding what you do and then doing it themselves. Sure. So they've kind of transitioned to doing it themselves. Taking it over? Yeah. And Sailor is where car toys, I think, made most of their money. Okay. Well, and they, they I can't imagine they do a lot of car stereo installs since everyone's got touchy screens and native to their phones with the apps and stuff like that. It, it I mean, it's, seems... def- it's definitely harder these days, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of old cars on the road still. I so know. I would imagine long. they do some. <laughs> Not in California. That's for sure. They want to get those cars off the road. Uh, you, I asked you what you would like to drink and you said something with a low IBU. Yeah. So you don't like IPAs. Um, they have their moments, <laughs> and there are some I like. Yeah, I, uh, I really like Space Dust. Yes, that's good. Yeah, I like that one. Um, but when they get really hoppy, it's just a little much for me. Yeah, me too. Uh, John loves them. I do not. So, uh, <laughs> and then if you've listened to the show, uh, there's a difference with the uh, East Coast West Coast IPAs. West Coast tend to be much more hoppy, piney, uh, that kind of stuff, and I don't. I can't. I can't. I can't. <laughs> doesn't doesn't work out for me. So, uh, what I got for us tonight, Adam, is uh, Ale Smith Brewing Company, and this is an English style brown ale. How's that sounds sound? delicious? Okay, good. Uh, toasty cocoa and biscuit notes. 
Uh, it doesn't actually say, I'll look it up. Uh, hand forged ales. Anyways, this is 12, 12 IBUs. So Perfect. that's very, very that's low. Pretty low. And I like brown beers, not just the color. I like uh, these kind of nut brown beers. Mm-hmm. They're my favorite. There you go, sir. Thank you. And then I might have to crack open that other one. That's why I brought down. <laughs> All right. So I have my dad over every Sunday mm-hmm. for dinner uh, since my mom's passed away. And uh, he, he enjoys whiskey which I'm thankful for, and he enjoys beer, and he does not like IPAs that are hoppy and, and bitter. And I can get him to drink it. Like So if I go up to Good Society, which is right over by the Safeway here, um, I can get him to drink an IPA that I know is more fruity and tropical, which is why he probably likes Space yeah. Dust. Uh, and that's the only time he'll drink it if he's had like a porter or stout beforehand and he's a little like <laughs> numb to the fact that he's gonna get an ipa prime the pump a little yeah i'm like come on you'll like it anyways so uh yeah so we sniff we cheers and then we it's got that nutty nutty smell i really like these <laughs> cheers to you sir cheers thanks for coming on of course oh Mm-hmm. Nice and cold. What's your impression? It's pretty mellow, actually. Yeah. Easy yeah. drinking. Yeah. Dangerous. <laughs> not um, <clears throat> not overwhelming on any part of it, really. Yeah. Very mellow. Um, balanced, even. So this is Alesmith is... California, I believe. It's got great color. San Diego, California. It does have great color. Yep. And it's only 5%. So uh, I'm not going to get you trashed tonight. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get you trashed tonight. I'm not going to tell you how much to drink, but I'm not going to get you trashed tonight. Well, and then that way yeah. I won't get in trouble from my friend. <laughs> I'm basically on the other side of the world from here in North <laughs> Seattle. So. Yeah. It's true. Your commute. Well, where's, where is it that you work? Um, so Kymet is the company I work for. Okay. We're based out of um, Kirkland, Totem Lake. Okay. Area. So yeah. you're coming from that side instead yeah. of uh, North Seattle. You're coming from. Yeah. So I came down. 405. Yeah. yeah. Cool. It's Did usually not that bad though. Ways took me a little weird detour to save me 32 seconds, probably. So, was that West Marginal or 599? <clears throat> no, I had me get off in Bellevue at sixth and then oh, and then go to the next entrance ramp and get back on. So, I was basically just weird in, in the right lane to get yeah. on to 405. Well, you deal so Kymeta makes uh satellite dishes, yeah. So, it's a the technical term would be a metamaterial. Beam forming satellite antenna. Okay. Yeah. So it uh, it has um, <clears throat> no moving parts, but can track satellites. Hmm. So it works really good on things that move, or tracking satellites that move. Yeah. Um, it's self acquiring, so like it, you don't have to point it; <clears throat> just turn it on. Yeah. It uh, uses a bunch of magic inside it. And, uh, <laughs> Patent pending. Yeah, a lot. Not <laughs> pending. Yeah, patents. Lots, lots of patents. 
Actually, a quick quick uh, Google search on your name has your name on these a lot of these patents as yeah. well. Yeah, I have a few through the company. That's one of the things that I really like about the company is they um, they foster innovation. So um, if you have something that you develop or you come up with, they'll do the work to apply for the patent and hire all the appropriate lawyers and things, yeah. and and then and help you out yeah. with that because it yeah. benefits them as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that's cool. Yeah, so I have a couple little plaques on the wall at home yeah. that show the drawings of yeah. Most of my patents revolve around um, integrating into vehicles. Yeah. Well, because fabrication, you're a fabrication engineer anyways, yeah. right? That's yeah. kind of your title. That's my title. Um, I just build things. Yeah. Um, my uh, my personal business card outside of Kymeta says uh, solutions engineer. Yes. So, I like that. Yeah. So basically my... My position within Kymeta is um, doing uh, first article integrations and mounts and things for the antenna. So we do a lot of military work. Mm-hmm. They'll bring me an antenna and a bunch of pictures and some measurements of a Humvee or an MRAP or something. And sure. say, we need to mount this antenna on that. How are we going to do that? And I'll develop a mount. Uh, usually do it, take it on the field, test it a few times, and then off the drawings to them to handle from there um but i also do a lot of um we had a partnership with toyota for quite a while so we were trying to figure out how to integrate it into vehicles uh from the factory so Mm -hmm. there was a lot of development involved in that and um how to make them smaller and hide them and do that kind of stuff sure so so yeah i'm uh my my career path has been (laughs) wide ranging yeah um, my dad owned a body shop from before I was born up until, uh, 2004. So every summer growing up, I worked with him doing body work. Um, I didn't like it. Yeah. But, uh, cause it's, dirty. which is weird. It's dirty and yeah. it's hard. It's, it's a lot of Bondo. Yeah. Well, uh, body works one of those things where if you're good at it, you're fast at it and it's fairly easy. If you're not good at it or you're a perfectionist, it takes a long time. And that's how I was. Yeah. So I didn't want to follow that path, um, which is odd because a lot of the stuff I do now is pretty much. Yeah, I was just going to say, same. yeah, it's pretty much that. And we'll but, talk about that. Yeah. But um, so out of high school, I got started doing uh, custom car stereo work um, for a small shop. And this was in uh, 92. So there wasn't there was no Internet. So car stereo stuff was still magic and sure people paid a lot of money to get stuff. And, uh, I did in various, at various shops for various, at various levels. I did car stereos for probably close to 15 years. Um, went to work for a guy who owned a company, um, uh, it was called North American curtain wall. And in the construction business, curtain is everything that's on the outside of the building for like sky rises. Yep. Yeah. So all the glass and the panels and stuff like that. And um, <clears throat> so he hired me to build him custom cars for himself. But as part of that, um, he also would have me go out on the job site and um, repair uh, damaged framework. And I was doing that while it was after it was installed. So, we would go over the top on a swing stage and come down the side of a building and, and do uh, 
body and paintwork on the wow. side of a building. So you've done so a lot of metal fabrication as yeah. well. Because in my mind, I'm thinking you do a lot of. That's not true because we'll talk about headquarters here in a moment. But you usually do like a lot of uh, not plastics, but um, composites. Yeah, composites. Yeah. 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 So even back when I worked for my dad, I was in charge of all the fiberglass work. Okay. And um, early on, carbon fiber wasn't very popular, but it was starting to get there with some of the higher end cars. So I learned how to repair carbon fiber really early hmm. before it was a thing. Yeah. Um, his shop was in Ballard. Um, there's quite a bit of composites and boats, obviously, but um, Kevlar and carbon fiber was used in boats for quite a long time. So I learned how to do that kind of repair work. And then um, after I left the curtain wall company, um, I went and uh, worked for a company developing composite ballistic armor. So complete transition into something yeah. completely yeah. different. But um, we we basically would receive a request from a different from companies that we need to stop this ammunition and it has to weigh this amount per square foot. So we would develop these twelve by twelve samples of different layers of composites and metals and things and then test them in house and send them off to a ballistic laboratory to be tested. And then we just sold them the recipe. So it was oh, okay. Yeah. So it was all development work. Sure. But um, that was really, really interesting to me because prior to that, everything I knew about guns and bullets and all that stuff was just from watching TV. Sure. Sure. And so once you do that for, I was there for three years, uh, you learn how hard it is to stop a bullet. And then also which bullets are easier or hard to stop. Right. Rifle rounds too, right? So yeah. I'm sure yep. they were asking for rifle rounds. We did a lot of that stuff. But like, <clears throat> you know, when I was younger and knew nothing, you everybody wanted hollow points and black talons and all these weird sure. bullets that were meant to shred. Shred, or, yeah. 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 Um, and you find out that those are the easiest to stop. Yes, because they're not, they're not meant to leave. Well, like hollow points aren't, I believe they're not meant to leave the body. Right. Yeah, they're, they're meant to just... Well, when you're developing armor, the first thing you want to do is that initial impact. You want to deform the bullet. And once you've deformed it, you've increased the surface area, and so then it's easier to stop it. Gotcha. Um, so really small bullets that are, have a lot of power behind them, that's the hardest stuff to stop. That's crazy. Yeah. I wouldn't even have thought that. It's so like two, two, three. Sure. It's hard to yeah. stop. Yeah. Yeah, we would develop. And we, like I said, we would test in-house. We would load all our own ammunition, so we had everything down to the perfect grain. And it was just we would get it to where we thought it was perfect and light because that's yeah. the thing. You know, we're leaning it out to make it as light as possible. Sure. And uh, we would send it off and come back with a fail. <laughs> 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 you do that a lot, and it, gets, it just sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was just really interesting. And so <clears throat> working there, one of the things we developed was a – highly impact resistant carbon fiber and so like having that knowledge understanding that the term composite just relates to um, something that has a resin matrix and a reinforcement so i mean in reality like concrete could be considered sure a composite because yeah you have rebar or fiberglass or whatever you're and so you you learn that <laughs> that resin can be anything and the reinforcement can be anything. You know, we would make some stuff that we were using burlap as the reinforcement. Oh. And we were using some stuff where we would use, uh, like, plastic as the resin, not, like, 
you know, like a hard resin, like urethane or polyester or whatever. Sure. And it just, it was really cool work. It was really cool work, but it was really hard. Yeah. It was really hard work and the owner was the worst. Oh yeah. I remember you <clears throat> commenting on that yeah, a while was, back ago when I was talking to you about this stuff. He was really awful, but you know, there's a lot of atomisms in the world. Atomisms. Yeah. What are atomisms? Euphemisms that come that, out of, that I've. <laughs> it comes out of you? comes out of me. <laughs> uh, you know, one of my, the ones that was on the back of my t-shirts were nothing easy is cool and nothing cool is easy. Yes. I love that one. Yeah. Actually. I just saw that today on, uh, I think one of your, uh, videos for headquarters. Yep. But um, one of them is uh, you can't know what you like till you know what you don't like. That's true. And so knowing that I don't like to work for it. Yeah. Jerk, yeah. jerk of a boss. Well, who does? Honestly, it makes the uh, work hard. It does. Yeah. For sure. Well, especially as, as smart as you are, it's kind of like, I don't, I don't need this guy. <laughs> I can just go figure something out without him. Well, if I have a, if I have one fault, it's loyalty. So. That's mine too. So when I like... And that was my job was yeah. to do that stuff and taking abuse felt like part of the job. And so I did it for far longer than I should have. Yeah. You go home and be like that son of a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just super angry. Yeah. We're going to have the bourbon. Okay. Sock of mystery. This is the sock of mystery. Uh, so what did you mean by young bourbon? So like when you get into like 25, mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times it's just too, it, those, bur- those whiskeys tend to be, uh, really smoky the way they're sure. And like, I don't, that's, it can be much to me. It can be too much sure. kind of the same way the hops can be too much yeah. with, a, with an IPA. The smokiness can overtake. Yeah. So, well, there, there's a, there's a great book that I'm going through. It's called tasting whiskey. And they talk about that exact same thing. So there's a there's a peak for both bourbons and then single malts in which like the perfect single malt is between 12 to 18 years. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like if you're right in that area, that's like peak where you're going to get all the things that everyone loves about a single malt. With bourbons, it was 8 to 10, I believe, or 8 to 12 is kind of where it's all kind of great and whatnot. Um, but I, I picked one out because uh, I was like, what did he mean by young? So this is just aged up to three years. Oh, okay. So young. It's it's Bill Gates young. Um, it's not Leonardo DiCaprio young, but it's Bill Gates young. That was a bad joke. Sorry. <laughs> uh, this is the Distillerium Street Bourbon. Uh, this is out of Yakima. I try to like do um, local whiskeys as much as I can. Because uh, I believe Washington State has actually, for all the other crazy stuff that happens here, we do actually have um, really good water and really good distilleries. And a lot of these distilleries, not a lot, some of these distilleries come out of the craft beer um, because you just take it a few steps more and you got bourbon or whiskey. So um, processes is kind of similar. So this is a 92 proof, small batch, um, aged at least three years, it said, because you said young. Now, if we can try this, uh, I've never had this. And uh, so I do want to try it. But um, if you see anything up here on this <laughs> very extensive. stupid shelf of bourbon and whiskey, um, I would love to uh, take one down. 
nothing here because I can't afford it is 25 years or older. And my smoky stuff is upstairs. Oh, good. So <laughs> stay there. Yeah. So we'll pop this open. Didn't do the thing that I wanted it to do. So it was really your dad working for your dad that you think you got kind of the, I want to create bug or have you always had that? No, I've always been really creative. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> lots of art uh, growing up. I think working for my dad just, I think probably that's why cars are kind of the thing I'm more into. I mm -hmm. think other than that, I mean, like with my current job, problem solving is like one of my favorite things. Think, cars thinking just, outside the box. Yeah. Just, you know, with, you know, having a pile of stuff and having to figure out how to make it all work together. I like that. I like figuring that stuff out. I yeah. just, uh, cars were just the vessel, I think. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. I, I'm cause I'm not that way at all, which is why, uh, people that think the way that you do fascinate me because my brain doesn't go, all right, well, what are we going to do? All I want to do is I want to do the work. I don't mind doing the work. I find satisfaction in doing the work, but to figure out how it works, I don't want to do that. I just want to work. So if, if I said, Hey, I need help with this. I don't mind doing it, but I can't figure it out. Like the figuring out part is so frustrating to me. Well, I'm pretty sure I just have undiagnosed ADD. Yeah. <laughs> and because um, I have the ability. Uh, so one of the advantages that that gives me is that when I need to develop something in my head, I can figure out how to make it work. And then I figure out how it's going to break or I figure out how somebody's oh, going to have trouble sure. putting it in. And I redesign it in my head. And I go through this sequence like four or five times before I even make the first thing. Yeah. And then usually that works out pretty good because I've already kind of worked through those problems ahead of time. I don't think that's ADD. I think it's, I think that's, I think that's, uh, it's just creativeness. Well, my brain doesn't ever stop moving. That's, yeah. that's why I say ADD. I control it to do that stuff. Sure. But my brain, when other people, when we're sitting on the couch just doing nothing, I'm, I'm like figuring out why this stuff is doing that yeah. and i can hear the people next door and i want to you know we're watching tv and oh wait that shirt is not the one he was wearing two scenes oh, ago oh yeah like my brain doesn't ever stop moving ever yeah uh except when i go to sleep and i'm very good at that yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it needs the rest right yeah. well i i say i'm a work shark yeah so as soon as i stop working i just my body knows it's time to sleep and yeah I just go to sleep yeah i don't have that problem <laughs> <laughs> All right, on the nose. What do you pick up? It's floral to me. Yeah. I like it. Sweet? Does it smell sweet or uh -huh. savory? How would you describe the smell? And and honestly, there's no wrong answer. It's, well, and I have, it's I have very bad sinuses. Oh, okay. Years of allergies and I pain, just make some shit up. We'll be good. It's fine. Caramel and leather. <laughs> Uh-huh. And oh, very good. Wet cardboard? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Gingerbread? Raisins. Raisins. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. That's definitely sweet. Oaky. Yeah, oak. Definitely oak. 
I think that's why I love this stuff so much. Bourbon. It just, I don't, I grew up with oak sawdust around yeah, me yeah. all the time. I just, I don't yeah. know, man. Cedar's been one of my favorite scents for a long time. Yeah, I love cedar too. When I'm out in my shop and cutting stuff, I'm just like, oh, I love this. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, it's kind of nutty. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. The late, the, the it's it becomes nutty mm-hmm. later yeah. on. Yeah, if it's a little too hot, I got a dropper here. You can put a couple drops in there. Water's actually really good because, of course, what it does is that it helps with all the oils kind of opens up so you get a little bit more or something kind of mellows things out uh especially if you don't like the kind where instead of it being um instead of it being kind of i guess you could describe it as like hot in the mouth it's hot in the throat uh, <clears throat> kind of like acid reflux rather than well like a spicy pepper i think we i think we <laughs> talked about it a little bit is that uh i really am into hot sauces so, oh yeah that's right so hot in the mouth is fine I'm okay that. you like that <laughs> yeah but this isn't bad this is very good did you have to train yourself for that? Um, because what's the cap? What's the what's the chemical? It's caspian, capian, capsaicin, capsaicin. Okay, yeah. Um, I would say I I didn't train myself for it. I've always kind of liked spicy spicy food, but the more spicy I've eaten, definitely you develop kind of an immunity, not an immunity, yeah, but definitely it doesn't affect me as much as it does other people. So Sean Evans called you up and said, hey, would you be on Hot Ones? You think you could take him? He he actually, that's the, the reason why there was a resurgence in the oh, hot sauce. In yes, my, yeah. I started watching him and uh, started buying some of the hot sauces he would have. And we have a we have a backup fridge in the pantry, you know, that holds all our overflow for kids stuff and whatever. And the door is completely full of different hot sauces. <laughs> I mean, because you never, you, you know, you're going to buy some and take a sip yeah you're like yeah that's not very good but you're not gonna throw it away so yeah yeah you uh, you put them on the shelves and then we have four or five that we keep in the fridge that we cycle through constantly is constantly going through so do you ever do you ever like you ever found one and you're like oh this is not gonna be that bad and you taste it and you're like holy shit i shouldn't have done this yeah well it's uh there can be a compounding effect so like there's some of the really hot sauces that I like every once in a while. And if I have those first, they're good. And I'll have a couple of them and then I'll move on to something else. But if you start with something that's a little less and kind of have a fair amount and then go to the hot ones, it really. Oh. Yeah. It'll it, yeah. Your compounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, yeah. crossing yeah. the streams. And no matter what anybody tells you, as far as I've in my studying, the only thing that helps it is time. Yeah. Like milk doesn't do a lot for me. No. And beer and cold water definitely don't. And that just spreads the oil around, right? Yeah, that's what they say, but I don't know. It just it's just winds up for me that just living through it. Okay. <laughs> it's something to help it you kind down. of it yeah. calms down after okay. a little while. I gotcha. Uh well they say the same thing about whiskey that if you if you're someone who doesn't like whiskey because you can't get past the everything's burning in my mouth stage, um, to drink like a an ounce a day for a couple of weeks and your mouth will then, and your taste buds will then get used to it. And, uh, cause apparently a virgin taste buds or something, I don't know, never experienced flavor in your life. And then, uh, you'll be able to enjoy it and pick out the flavors and yeah. stuff like that as well. I can see that. I don't, <clears throat> I don't drink very often at all, especially anymore. I don't know. Oh, so this is kind of treat for you. It's a, it's a great treat. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not here trying to get you, get you back on a, 
on a road here. <laughs> oh, I appreciate the invitation. Yeah, this is actually really, really nice. Well, let's talk about the thing that kind of made you kind of famous, especially in the <laughs> Volvo circles. Yeah. Let's talk about headquarters. Okay. So <clears throat> we'll go back even a little bit further than that. I've I've always been a fan of underdogs and that is cars too. And so Volvos have kind of always been, you know, they were one of the first companies in my wheelhouse that I took a station wagon and made it kind of performance. And so I really liked that. And With so, the 240 turbos? Well, yeah, 240 turbos, but then the 850 and the mm. 850R. And, oh, yeah. You know, as there was European <clears throat> racing of sedans, and Volvo put a wagon in with all the sedans mm-hmm. and was winning, and it was really cool. And uh, did that, was that the Polestar? Um, no, that was before Polestar. Okay. But um, so I've, I've, uh, <clears throat> I kind of got into Volvos pretty heavy when. Our middle kid was, I think it was probably three. I was driving a Honda Civic hatchback, and it was just so difficult. DX? Was it a DX? It was an EX. EX. 2000 EX. Oh, that's good. You got the higher model. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's funny. So my uh, adri- my my username, screen name for leaving reviews was clean underscore EK. Yes. Because EK was the chassis of the Honda oh. I was driving <laughs> when I first started. Anyway, That's funny. Uh, so I was loading him in through the hatch. I would open the hatch and put him in the car seat from the hatch yeah. and then crawl in to buckle him. And it was just getting to be too much of a pain. And uh, I had a client come in that wanted some stereo stuff done in a, in a Volvo 850R. And I was like, oh, I forgot how much how cool these things are. Yeah. So I found one, and then once that happened, it was kind of all over. So it was always – it's been Volvos since then for the most part. Um, and the 850s were like the stately, almost like Buick-like boxy. Yes, very boxy. I love yeah. those. Yep. Yeah, no, they're great. Uh, the 850 was the uh, <laughs> first of the front-wheel drive, so that was the only thing that was kind of a, a, yeah, a detriment. But mm-hmm. um, And then after the 850, I got a 240 wagon. Always been a wagon fan. And yeah, then, and and just as a side note, let's talk about that. Where are the wagons? They all turned into SUVs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I hate that. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- anymore? You mean in general? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get a Buick, but ugh. yeah. And no. then the uh, the Acura. They stopped making the Acura ones, which were kind of cool. But I miss wagons. It's, I just uh, miss wagons. U.S. demographics don't buy wagons. I would. I would. I, I'd buy a wagon so quick. I'm sorry. I just as a side. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think wagons are super practical when you don't want a big giant car. You want a car feel, but you want to. Well, they, they, you know, they've got the storage capacity in the back of an yeah. SUV for the most part, but they're lower to the ground and less tippy and things. I love that. So I had the 240 for a while, and then uh, I really wanted something just a little older. And uh, before the 240, uh, Volvo had the 122. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it's called the 122 in the U.S., but everywhere else in the world, it's called the Amazon. And uh, so I found one out of Portland that was not running and driving. It was somebody else's project. It was pretty beat up, but it was a good price. So uh, I convinced Trina to let me buy it. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and Rocco and I, who at the time was like you know three or four, maybe five, uh, we jumped in a f- – I 
borrowed a, a flatbed rollback truck and we drove down to Portland to pick it up. And uh, did you find this on bringatrailer.com? A, a friend of a friend. I okay. Did that <laughs> <laughs> and on the way back, uh, we've always kind of named our cars in the family. And so I was like, Rocco, what do you want to name this one? They said, uh, let's call it headquarters. And I'm like, that's. Wait. You asked a four year old. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> uh, I was like, that's not like a person's name. Like, you yeah. know, these are, our cars normally have people names. So I was like, that's not a great name. And he held up this little figurine that he'd been playing with. He said, no, this guy's name is headquarters. No. Okay. Logic. So I said, okay. I find out years later, his name is not headquarters. That's what he named it? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I was like, my brother uh, got a, um, he has a uh, bulldog. Big, ugly, mushmouth, sweet, Goomba-looking bulldog. And he had his kid's name in it, and they named it Hawkeye. <laughs> Perfect. Hawkeye. I was like, Big any bulldog. other name probably would have been a little bit better, but okay. So that's how headquarters got the name headquarters. Um, I got it back, and it was pretty beat up. It was pretty rusty, and it was very stripped. And like There wasn't any interior in it. There wasn't any. Oh. It was just mostly gone. Um, and the the frame, uh, well, it's a unibody, but the the front frame horns were rusted at the firewall. So oh. like you could push up and down on it, and you could see the flex. So in searching for a car, it was still worth saving to me. And in searching for the parts, I found a two-door 122 that was uh, in the bushes in this guy's house. Didn't run. You know, it was just buried in these bushes. So we took the rollback and went and grabbed it. And uh, after I grafted the frame parts together, uh, I started thinking, I'm a barrel-chested man, like having a bigger door on this car would be really cool. So yeah. I converted it from a four-door to two-door. I used the doors and the quarter panels from the coupe and made it a oh, two-door wagon. Perfect. So that was the first major obstacle. Yeah. Painted it, uh, started building a motor for it, and it just basically drifted into project car purgatory in the driveway oh, sure. just there was just so much that needed to be done to it it didn't have any brake lines in it it didn't have any electrical so it was gonna need a complete to rewire. rewire it yeah and i would go out for a weekend and i would work <laughs> on it for a day or two and it just nothing would feel like it got done and it just it was really a pain and so we had our house remodeled and while the house was being remodeled, we rented a little house down the street and I trailered it to, or we towed it using Trina's car with strap <laughs> to the new, to the new house or to the rental house yeah. and uh, towed it back. And I just, uh, I was like, I got to do something. We're going to do, I'm going to take one last swing at this. And if I can't make it work, I'm just going to call somebody to come by. it. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I started thinking, well, really, everything that makes a car run and drive is in the floor pan. You know, all your fuel lines, all your brake lines, the motor, the suspension, everything mounts to the basically the chassis of a car. The body doesn't matter. And so I thought, well, I'll just find something that's close to the right wheelbase, and I'll just swap the whole chassis over. It's, yeah. It's easy, right? That makes sense. <laughs> And so that's how all cars work, right? You just yep. pop one off, put one on. And so it started with a, a lot of uh, Wikipedia searching for mm -hmm. vehicle width, vehicle <clears throat> wheelbase, and 
track width and things. And uh, originally, I really wanted to keep it Volvo. But every Volvo uh, is too wide. Like the, the, the Amazon's a very small car. It's, it's actually about the same size as a Volkswagen Squareback. Yeah. So. I, there's actually a guy right up the street here on California Avenue. He has a green um, estate um amazon i think it is that uh because it has like the cool like front grill and yeah. it has the volvo that's kind of fun like a script on the front yeah. or whatever yeah and uh, yeah it's teeny tiny they're small they're yeah. small and so um <clears throat> i kept i'd always keep a tape measure in my center console and every time i was in a, gro- at a grocery store if i saw a small car <laughs> go out know, sir measure. what are you doing yeah luckily i never had i never <laughs> had that interaction but i, I fully expected it um, and then, uh, I was working at a friend's shop and they had a BMW 325 convertible an E30 convertible in the shop. I was like, Oh, this is pretty close. So I started measuring and I made myself these giant calipers out of wood that you had wing nuts and you would just slide, <laughs> slide it out. And so I measured like the rocker panel width and the strut tower width. And I was like, this is really close. So I was like, all right. I took a week off of work. I went on uh, Facebook Marketplace and found the cheapest running E30 BMW I could find, and it happened to be a convertible. Perfect. Was it was the not convertible? It was the same size, right? Didn't oh, matter. same size. Yeah, but it was just this guy had already started parting it out, so okay. it was missing the fenders and the hood, and all that stuff. But sure. the engine was there, and it started, and uh, so I put it on a trailer and took it home. And then within that week off of work, I braced up the body, took all the glass out on the Amazon, braced the body, and cut the entire floor out, just front oh to gosh. back, the entire floor. Yeah. So it was just rocker panels, and uh, I left the the top mounts for the fenders. I braced those to the windshield frame, and then I took the BMW, and I drilled out probably 7,000 spot welds to take the quarter panels off and the fenders and cut the windshield off. And I used a Harbor Freight gantry, uh-huh. a little electric winch on it and winched the body up and rolled the car underneath it and lowered it and lifted it and cut some more and lowered it and checked it and did all this stuff. And within the week I had the two stuck together and, uh, Oh my gosh. I, the thing I did was I made sure that every night when I was done, whatever I was doing, that the car would still start. <laughs> oh, so you get in. Yeah. So I was just like, as long as it always starts, then once they're stuck together. <laughs> yes, so, that's true. And so the first, the first <laughs> I took it around the block with no fenders on it. The two pieces, the two cars put together. And it actually was kind of amazing how close they were in size. So the wheelbase was about three eighths of an inch short. So just barely anything. So I centered the rear wheel and the wheel well, and then they actually, because the BMW E30 is really popular for racing, they make a bunch of adjustable suspension components. Sure. So I was able to get the components that made the wheel centered in the front wheel. So that was perfect. The rocker panels, when you, you know, when you look under a car and you see that little pinch weld that hangs down, drilling out those spot welds and peeling off the outer part of the rocker panel on the BMW and then cutting and drilling out the BM the Volvo, they slipped directly over each other. Oh. It was like they just, just used the old Volvo chassis to just make a this perfect fit. Wow. 
And so I had to just weld it together there. Jeez, and you then... wouldn't even know that if you hadn't made custom wooden calipers that <laughs> yeah. you ran around everywhere with. <laughs> and then um, so I drove around the block, which just stuck together. And then I spent another few days kind of uh, getting the rest of the parts put together, putting the fenders on it, getting some lights in it. And I drove over to my best friend's house for the first time. And I was like, well, this is this is awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, so that was, that was the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> Getting the two stuck together was honestly the easy part. Then it was a lot of time spent trying to make all the details of the two work together. Sure. You know, the BMW has a long dash. Uh, so the cowl is way out there and the Volvo has a very short dash and the windshield that goes mostly straight up and down. Yeah. So getting those two to work together on the inside was a little bit of work. Um, looks beautiful. The pictures of the interior. Yeah. So, so did you customize the entire interior everything. as well? Seriously. Yeah. So, so it started out, uh, when I first did the body work and I first painted it when I was going to keep it kind of original, I painted it intentionally for patinating purposes. So I painted it with single stage paint. I over catalyzed it because the catalyst acts as an oxidizer and it would sure. ch- chalk out faster and be patinated. So <clears throat> I made sure that when I did all this stuff, putting it together, I didn't mess any of that up. So it was still this dark blue patinaed exterior. Um, and it was, it was perfect because when it, when you have a car that has patina on the outside, you really don't have to be as concerned about like yeah. scuffs, scrapes, yeah. washing it and all that stuff. You just kind of drive it. And then, uh, so I had everything stuck together. Everything was working great. Uh, and I was driving around quite a bit. And then I was pulling through a parking lot and it, big flatbed truck was backing out of a parking spot and I didn't notice it until I was right there and I stepped on the gas to try to get past him and he backed right into the quarter panel of it and then creased the quarter panel <laughs> bent up some stuff and, you know it's it sucks but it's just another opportunity yeah you know so it's good attitude Adam so it was you know fixed the body and then it got nice paint after that was that the blue? That's when I went or white. White. Yeah. That's the white. Yeah. Okay. So, so the blue in the pictures, that's the patina one. Yes, that's the original. I kind of actually like the blue. The blue was really nice and I really liked it. It's a different blue. It's it it's, is. And it was a factory Volvo color of the era. Yeah. The problem was this is dumb, but uh for a little while there was a Volvo Amazon on YouTube in Sweden that the guy in Sweden had made a two door and he had Basically, the body was the only thing left Volvo on that one, too, but it was all tube chassis and 1,000-horsepower motor. And well, was, there's yeah. all these videos of him racing Ferraris on these airstrips, you know. And so, like, that was the Volvo, the famous Volvo for quite a while yeah. on the Internet. And so my car was, like, close to the same color. Yeah. And so it was always, oh, is that the one I saw on YouTube? And it was no. just constantly. Smart. So when it got dented and it was time to do some more work to it, I picked a color that was not blue. Yeah. For that reason. Well, the write-ups, I mean, I, I know you've seen these. And these write-ups aren't, aren't actually that old. I mean, they're 2018. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. I mean, the, a true hero swapped a Volvo Amazon wagon body onto a BMW E30 in his driveway. <laughs> I yeah, love that one. That's actually, that's one of the funny things about this whole story is that I don't have a garage at home. Yeah. So all this work happened in my driveway. And Your got, neighbors must love you. It was actually, it was really cool because Good. a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people who walk their animals. We're in a sure. pretty solid neighborhood and 
people would stop by and be like, hey, what's going on? That's yeah. cool. And then we would talk about it. And, you know, believe it or not, a lot of people have a Volvo story. My aunt drove one of these. Yeah. Or, I learned how to drive in one of these. Or, man, I've always wanted one of these. You know, there's all those stories. So, um, no, nobody was mad about it. But I got really good at setting up pop-up tents because, you know, it rains a I lot around here. I'm sure. So, <laughs> yeah. Boom. Just yeah. pop it up and go. Yep. So we had our own, we called it tent city, but out in the front driveway. <laughs> I had like three, I had Different one that would go over city. the car and then I would have one that I would work under with table, fold up tables and yeah. stuff. And, and so a majority of the work happened in the driveway. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Where's headquarters now? Uh, currently it's at a body shop. Um, so, uh, I'm probably gonna be selling it later this year oh, or okay. maybe next year. And so, like, uh, I have a friend who owes me some some, some work. work. Yeah. yeah. And so I took it there, and I'm like, just touch it all up. Find any flaws in the paint. Get it all touched up. Once yeah. it's once he's done with it, we're going to put it on the frame rack and take a laser alignment sheet of it so we can prove that it's straight and all that kind of stuff for a potential buyer. Yeah. But, um, that car and Volvos in general, <clears throat> it's just another way for me to solve weird problems. Sure. You know, so... All the all the little detail work I've done on that car is just each time it was just a way to do something different. So the Volvo fuel filler is on the driver's side down really low at the quarter panel. And the BMW is on the passenger side up high in the quarter panel. So I actually made the taillight hinge and put the fuel filler behind the taillight so that I could do that. Fantastic. Well, I mean you even the um the engine compartment, you had to create a custom hinge. Yep, for the hood. Yeah. yeah. And it's just that one arm in the front, right? Yeah. 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 So it tilts forward. Now yeah. it tilts forward like a like a BMW <clears throat> would have. Okay. Volvos normally would tilt backwards, but because the firewall is all BMW, there's not a provision for where the hinges would go. <laughs> yeah. But I did little stuff like I uh I machined the top of the factory valve cover off, all the fins off, and I machined a, a plate that says Volvo Amazon and weld, oh, yeah. welded it to the top of the valve cover and I uh I made a, made my own tool to emboss the fenders so that I could take the the Swedish emblem and put it in of course there. You did. But have it illuminate so it's side marker lights too. That's awesome. It's the it's the emblem, but it also Oh yeah, I think I lights. saw that. Yeah. Uh just like lots of little stuff like that. The one of the things that I was actually had the most fun with was uh the exhaust is actually aluminum. I made it all out of aluminum tubing and uh, I made my own muffler and I made my own resonator. And part of that was because I started kind of looking into, I thought it would be kind of cool to do. And everybody's like, it will never work. It can't work. It won't work. It'll break. It'll wear out, like all this stuff. And so I just developed different ways to combat all the things that could potentially be failure points. So, you know, aluminum, it's a soft metal. But when it gets through lots of vibrations, it actually hardens and then it becomes brittle. And so you can't weld like a hanger directly to the aluminum exhaust pipe. So I basically took everywhere I was going to put a hanger and I took a band clamp out of steel and put it around and I welded the hanger to the band clamp. Of course, clamp. yes. So the actual part that's hanging is steel. <clears throat> the pipe is aluminum. Yep. And um, they're like, it's going to get too hot. So it's actually stainless steel coming off the exhaust manifold just to where it turns under the car and then the rest of it back is aluminum. aluminum yeah. 
And uh, so I had to kind of learn how mufflers work so yeah. I could design my own muffler. That's awesome. Hack my own resonator and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the all the parts that I took off that I replaced with the aluminum weighed about 60 pounds. And this whole thing from that, all the aluminum part weighs 12 pounds. <laughs> so it's just it's just kinda, shaving, yeah. shaving all that curb weight off. Yeah, it's just kind of cool, you know. And it's, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's one of those things where somebody said it can't be done, so I wanted Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So when you, uh, so can we talk about your other venture? Sure. So Adam Design and Development. Yep. So is is this venture kind of the place where you get to kind of explore and experiment for other people to help solve their problems? Yeah. So what happened was uh, I worked for Kaimeta for uh, seven years or so. And then um, they got in a new round of management. And part of that new round of management was cutting headcount. And so what they, what the, the directive was, let go of anybody who's non-revenue earning. So while what I do enhances sales and, and allows for sales to happen of, our, the, of the antennas, it technically doesn't earn revenue sure so they they laid me off but they said okay we have to let you go because we have to cut this headcount but we still need what you're gonna do so here's what we're gonna do we want you to start your own business we're gonna basically have you contract be a contractor we're gonna pay you the same amount you were making as an employee as a contractor and this and so uh, so that's when I started the business and uh, I was doing work for them. And honestly, I was doing work for quite a bit of other companies, businesses that were, uh, you know, people I had worked with in the past had gone to work for and they needed something similar. So uh, there were there were several companies where I was helping kind of create solutions for, for different things. And there was some car stuff in there too, because um, that's my bread and butter. But sure. Uh, the, the solving problems, I think there's a big, there's a, a lack of people that can walk through troubleshooting and problem solving um, from a granular, at a granular level that can I agree. figure that stuff out. I agree. And so. Uh, Me being one of them. <laughs> and yeah. So, and so. That's it's why like, we need your brain. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, you, you can, you know that there's a problem. So at least you've gotten to step one and then you know that you want the problem solved. So you, you got that far, Yeah. but what do I do with all this? And so the thing that happened though was, um, so we had an 18 month contract, and then, uh, when we were getting close to the end of that 18 months, I was like, okay, we need to re up this contract or I'm going to go get a job somewhere. Sure. Uh, you know, family of five need insurance yeah that kind of stuff. income yeah, yeah. all so, that good stuff so <laughs> income i think i could work out it yeah. was the insurance is a killer sure and you still have i mean i know two of your kids are are bigger but you still have a little one yeah. now so yeah he's seven yeah um but uh so kind of said oh never mind we'll just hire you back on as a full-time employee oh so so they hired me back on and out <laughs> of design and development is pretty much just <clears throat> A name now oh really yeah you don't do any side stuff or anything like that not really uh i do a little bit but um who could lure you away like what what would someone have to offer 
Adam notice for you to be like, you know what? I'm going to go here. <laughs> well, I make very good money. Yeah. And I have very good insurance. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it would take a lot. It would take, it, it would, would take, take more than a passion. Right. <laughs> That's good. Well, and like I said, uh, you know, besides the, uh, the bureaucracy that's involved in a big business, a big company yeah. and you know, the, the dealing with what I call classically trained engineers mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Um, besides that, it, I do enjoy what I do. Yeah. And I enjoy, you know, I'm coming up, I'll be almost 10 years now coming up that I've been at this company. And so, like I said, uh, the uh, loyalty is, is pretty strong. Yeah. So it's tough. And you didn't go to school for any of this stuff. You don't have like a, you just, it's just because of, of how your brain works that you're able to figure this stuff out. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, uh, I've always had a knack for being able to pick up, um, it's like I said, classically trained engineers. Like I, my dad has, uh, probably one of the strongest grasps of just general physics, like mechanical physics and mechanical design and stuff like that. And he's never had any training either. You sure. Know? Um, he just understands how yeah, it operates. Levers, and yeah. pulleys, sure. and all that kind of stuff, you know. And so I've always kind of had that same knack that <clears throat> when you get down into the weeds of electronics, I don't quite grasp some of the stuff that goes sure. on. Sure. But knowing how it works, this we steer here by changing the pattern of these things and doing this stuff. Like I can grasp that, and so I can make the rest of the stuff work. Yeah, with that, and uh, it's just—I uh, don't know that I—I I definitely don't want to leave Kaimeta right now. But if somebody was going to try to lure me away, it would have to be there. Would have to be all those all those benefits, and then also the ability to be creative and solve problems. Yeah, yeah. Well, so as a creative person. Uh, so you have a steady gig and that I imagine allows you some leverage to be creative, but what, what do you got as far as what you're doing now as a side thing? Cause I know, I know for me, I can't be, I can't be still like I, yeah. I either have to be, I have to be doing this. This is kind of why I started this. Cause I gotta be doing something creative yeah. fun for me or photography. What, what's so the thing that you're working it's on still, now? It's still working on cars, but it's mostly my own now for the most part. And what happened is, um, you know, I'm one of five boys, and so growing up, single income, we camped a lot for our vacations. Like, oh, it was never sure. going to fancy <clears throat> places or doing this. It was, we did a lot of camping, um, national park tours and that kind of stuff. And uh, and when COVID hit and uh, I was kind of working, I was, I was still able to work because I was the only one in my shop, and we do a lot of government work, so it was considered essential. essential and uh but i started thinking you know i really miss camping and i really want to get my kids involved in that and so i started working on putting together camping my turning my vehicles into camping type vehicles overlands yeah overlands hate that, super hate that trendy. Word. i don't hate it it's just <clears throat> it's improperly used yeah. a lot yeah and so but but basically yeah i mean so the car I was driving at the time was a 2000 Volvo V70R. So it's the all-wheel drive sport chassis version of the V70. Well, uh, is that the V70 outside? No, this is an XC90. XC90s were the SUVs. Gotcha. Yep. V's are the estates. Sorry. Yep. 
And then, uh, so basically what happened was <clears throat> I was all up until this point, all my cars have been lowered. I've always said I'm allergic to altitude from my cars. <laughs> first thing I do when I get a car is I lower it and I put some wheels on it and yeah. then go from there. And so I had this V70R and it was lowered and I had nice wheels on it. And uh, it was January and it was snowy out and a guy ran or slid through an intersection and clipped the front bumper. Yeah. Took the front bumper off this car. And Volvo's... Uh, one of the reasons I like Volvos is because they depreciate really fast. So you can get a very nice car for not a lot of money. Yeah. Porsches you know, too, by the way. They're considered, you know, Volvo is considered a luxury brand for a lot of years. Yeah. And so, uh, so anyway, <clears throat> it doesn't take a lot to total a Volvo when they get in a wreck. And so while I was waiting for the insurance to figure out what they were going to do, I bought a cross-country version, XC70. So it's still the station wagon. It's the same chassis. And I just thought, well, if they total the V70, I'll either fix it or I'll take all the stuff off of it, put it into this XC70 because they're basically the same. And uh, so while I'm driving the XC70 and it's winter out, I designed a slight little lift kit for it. So I lift it a little bit and I put some knobby tires, knobbier tires on it. And I'm like, this is pretty, it's pretty cool looking and it's different. And then I realized on a daily driving basis, how much nicer it is to drive a car that <laughs> has soft suspension. That's sure. But it's not, you know, I kept the sway bars nice, so it didn't lean like a Cadillac yeah. through the corners, yeah. but it had this slight little trophy truck feel to it as a street car. Like I could go over any speed bumps at pretty much any speed and there's no problems. And I started really enjoying it. So <clears throat> when they came in, decided that they weren't going to total the, the V70R, uh, well, let's lift it. <laughs> so I lifted it and I I built a big roof rack for it. And I put a spare tire carrier on it and I did all the things, put a winch on it. On the V70? Yep. I got it all ready to go camping. And then somebody offered me a lot of money for it. <laughs> well, yeah, because you, you have a turbo station wagon that's yep. been lifted. And and it was the performance version. So yeah, it had the R. The, yeah. It had the great motor. It had suede interior. It had the blue gauge cluster and all the things that you would want from a sports car, but it was lifted with yeah. knobby tires and tube bumpers and all that stuff. That's awesome. And uh, so somebody offered me a bunch of money for it. So I sold it. And it the only thing I didn't like about that particular vehicle was it was a little under power. The, the five cylinder motor turbo motor is makes a lot of power, but it only makes it in the top end. Yes. It doesn't have a lot of torque. It's mostly about that horsepower in the upper end. And so I got a really good deal on an XC90 with a V8 in it. And they're, because uh, the XC90s, in my opinion, the ugliest Volvo ever made. No, they're pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah. and they're, Especially the earlier models, because yep. they have that goofy front end. Yes. And they're basically disposable cars for, yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. And so... I got this V8 XC90 and uh, I've done all basically all the same stuff. You know, I lifted it, and put big tires on it, and two bumpers and a winch. And basically, with this one, what I did is uh, I put a, a small cargo carrier on the roof. And about this time of year, all my camping gear goes in that roof box. I've got a little duffel bag that holds all my cooking stuff, I've got one that holds all the tent and all the other stuff and i throw all those duffel bags up there and it just lives up there and then yeah if we decide we want if the kids and i 
Trina doesn't really prefer camping. She, you know, she likes showers and hot water. <laughs> uh, but, you know. Like cold I, streams. Yeah, <laughs> I could just go home and grab the kids. And we yeah. can take off. And yeah. Just go camping for a weekend. That's awesome. And do that kind of stuff. If you do that, let me know. I'll take uh, Nathan. Oh, it, it, we do it quite a bit. Uh, this, it's a, getting to be about the time where I like to go out. Some people camp all year. Sure. You got to, you got to, don't say what your place is. You got a special place that you like to go all the time or? No. Okay. Nope. Just whatever's available. Yep. And this year, uh, I kind of want to do the Wobder, Mm-mm. the Washington area back road discovery route. Oh, I haven't even heard that. So there's a there's basically a trail or a it's a it's a it's a bunch of sections of like forest service roads that goes from Oregon all the way to Canada. Really? Yep. And it's all off. It's almost all off main roads. So you go I five. There's a bunch of them that kind of like branch off onto these you just, service roads yeah you can there's lots of that too so i have a couple <clears> different <throat> mapping services that i use gaia and onyx off-road and the cool things about those is you can you can literally go in there and go okay i want a forest service road that's a level three so i don't have to try to do any rock crawling or anything sure like that. sure and it'll show you in the local area all these people have been on these roads and they've taken pictures and they do all this yeah. stuff and but the the Wobder is an actual trail path that's predefined. Uh, it has starting points and stopping points for five sections, I believe, from Oregon to Canada. And so, if you wanted to, you can actually uh, just drive the trail during the day and stay in a city, you know, at a hotel or something at each end of it if you wanted to. But um, the can advantage- you camp along the trail? You sure can. Yeah. Wow. So. Uh, Washington National National Forest areas, you can you can camp. So you can just uh, basically, if you find a turnout, you can just pull over and set up and uh, camp for the night. That sounds awesome. It's, I've never heard about this before. It's it's, it's really great. I miss you. <laughs> now the the uh, the downside or one thing I noticed the first time we went out, and it's really irritating, is the amount of trash that's left out there. Yeah. So. Um, we make sure that we always pack out yep. more. We, not only we clean up after ourselves, but whatever you see around, we we yeah. pack up. I have a I have like this uh, pouch thing that hangs off the spare tire in the back, and we have some of those like claw finger things for grabbing yeah. garbage and just go around and pull over. Yeah, because yeah. there's so much garbage out there. It's That's really, too bad. It's really bad. Why do people ruin it like that? Yeah, it's, it's weird. Bad. I so I, I manage properties, and so I pick up garbage in our parking lots and stuff like that, the shopping centers that I manage. And <clears throat> just cause it's a mess and it looks trashy. And I just watch people. They're done with a the drink. They just throw it on the ground. I'm like, who does that? Why do you do that? That's bad. Yeah. I don't understand that mentality. So, uh, so that's basically <clears throat> what I've been working on is my cars and, and, uh, you know, helping other people with Volvos that wanted, cause lifting of Volvos has been, it hasn't been a thing that's been super popular. It's been around, but it hasn't been a thing that's been super popular. Yeah, most popular. people slam them down. Yeah, until recently. So um, I make some parts and sell some parts and help people. And um, you Yeah, know, yours got a little Dakar racing uh, yeah. thing going on out there. <laughs> yeah, well, so. It's Plasti Dip on the. It's wrap. It's yeah. vinyl wrap. Vinyl wrap? Oh, yep. okay. I have a shop that I, I basically, we do a. We have a continuous trade going on where I help them with painting and machining and doing stuff. And whenever I want a car wrapped, they pretty much just wrap oh, it for me. Oh, that's cool. 
So yeah, we uh, when it came time to wrap this one, I picked a color that was kind of a military-ish color. Yeah, it's that sand. Earth. Uh, yeah. What's it called? I forget what it's called. You can get guns in the same kind of color. Yeah, there's a there, it, there's actually a factory Toyota color that's almost the exact same called Quicksand, and it's oh, okay. almost exactly the same. But again, with the satin, it's a satin wrap, uh, and being an off-road vehicle, it kind of falls into that same kind of patina category where yeah. you don't have to keep it super clean sure. like a little bit of mud it actually gives a little bit more cred yeah <laughs> and uh, that kind of stuff so That's cool it's been fun because you know that it opened a whole the overlanding thing yeah opens up a whole new uh group of problems to solve so i have like an onboard air compressor with a small tank and figuring out how to plumb all that in and being able to access the air system while it's while off-road so i can deflate tires and air them back up and things yeah. like that and onboard water i have a i made a storage tank that goes up on the roof rack that holds 11 gallons it's made out of abs pipe mm-hmm. so it's black uh, so it gets warm pre-warms itself during the sun and sure. uh, it's sealed so i can <clears throat> pressurize it so i have a, a hose that i put on there and it can put a little air you put like 20 pounds of pressure in the thing and then it sprays just like a so clean your dishes and yeah that's fantastic who would have thought i wouldn't have thought about that so it's just a lot of a lot of little stuff like that you can see yeah. more problem solving and and yeah enjoying it well that's awesome man that's cool see i i just i wouldn't have thought of that i just wouldn't have thought of that i just i, I wouldn't have uh, i mean maybe because i don't put myself in situations also that would allow me to have to solve that but still i just i wouldn't have thought of like you know i'm just gonna put the compressor in this and then i'll have some pressure in there i wouldn't have i wouldn't have thought about that well i'm not inventing anything new i'm just no i know you're not but you're you're problem solving that like i said it, it's just i'm always fascinated by your mind when i hear you talk i'm like what who who does that <laughs> and there might even be people listening that are just like yeah i never even thought about that why would i and i had a boss once who was Real great guy. Actually, he was much like you in, in the way he thought. He was easygoing, and he just kind of like, you know, he had little things he would say too. And uh, but he could just he could just think of like, why don't we try this, you know? And where I would be uh, paralyzed to even try because I, you know, was like, I don't know, man, that could be a big failure. You know, that might cost a lot of money. He's like, eh, how do we know if we don't try it? And we at least said, hey, we tried to fix it, and this is what happened. I was like, okay, like. Who does that? <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, but I didn't. You know, I, I, I think your probably your dad probably had a lot to do with that as well, and just knowing how things work, and he probably did some trial and error, and and was probably okay with you. I mean, I'm sure as a dad, he probably yelled at you a few times for not doing something right, but I don't know. Yeah, I have some. <clears throat> he sent me to go look for a socket for getting for something he was working on, and I couldn't find it. And he came. I came back, and I'm like, "Dad, I can't find." It. And he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go look for it then. And if I find it, you're in trouble." <laughs> and I was like, well, "Let me go look one more time." <laughs> and then I just got on my bike and left. <laughs> can't get in trouble if you can't find you. Yeah, I knew he'd get mad. Then he'd calm down, and then it would whatever. That's so. funny. <laughs> but he was kind of that. Uh, <clears throat> so the first time I ever drove anything. He had a, we had seven acres of property and we were, we would always go out there to work on stuff at the house. And it was where, when he retired, we were going to move to and all that kind of stuff. 
And we had this truck, 70 or 80 Chevy truck, late 70s, early 80s, Chevy truck, automatic. And he's like, hey, go to the house and get me the nail gun. Take the truck. And I'm like, I've never driven anything. I'm like <laughs> 12, maybe. Never driven anything. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, how do I know what gear it's in? You know, all that stuff. He's like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> Give me the keys. And I remember, and uh, yeah, ever since then, I thought I was pretty, pretty bad. Pretty badass? Pretty badass. Because did you get it first try? Figured it out? I, I learned, I learned that you could just, as you're clicking, you could feel the car move. Sure. <laughs> you then, can hear it go into yeah. gear. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to drive now. I'm yeah. going to drive. <laughs> figure out how's this gas pedal work yeah. that's awesome so so it gave you a lot of confidence then as well in yourself yeah i think so that way yeah i don't I think that's I don't know if he was intending to do that but maybe i don't know or maybe that was just the way he was also raised i don't know yeah but, was he first generation or second generation or uh he is uh he has an, he had two older i think he He's the second youngest, I think. Okay. Yeah. So, but was uh, his parents from Italy or? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. he's first generation American. Yeah. And I'm sure his his parents might have been very much like figure it out. You just got to figure it out. Probably. It's an old world attitude. Yeah. And it was an old American attitude. We don't necessarily have that attitude anymore, unfortunately. Where you just got to go figure it out. And, uh, something I had to read, you know, I mean, that's, that's something that I'm still learning is, is failure. My buddy, uh, John, who does a podcast with me, usually he helped me redo our, my garage. And I was so, I, like, I don't even know where to begin. He's like, well, we begin by just tearing down the back half. And I was like, okay. They just, you know, we just start tearing down the back half. And I'm like, now what do we do? And he's like, oh, we'll just frame the walls. I'm like, okay, we'll just frame the walls. He's like, yeah, I've done it a couple of times. I was like, Okay. And then he taught me how to frame walls. But in my mind, I'm like, I don't know what the hell to do. Like, what do I do? And I, I wouldn't think of like, oh, I guess I'll just start putting walls together. <laughs> like, yeah. I wouldn't even know. Yeah. Is this right? Is this code? You know, I just, it, when I was a kid, I don't know where I lost it. Because when I was a kid, you'd build forts and stuff. And it's just scrap wood. You didn't give a shit. You know, in the tree is 20 feet up. You fall down, kill yourself. You yeah. didn't care. Yeah. You weren't thinking about engineering. And is this the right? And you're just like, oh, this seems like pretty steady. I can jump on it. I guess it's okay. It's going to work. Until your dad's like, hey, what are you doing? And then you fall out and then you're in trouble. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's tough with the younger generations today is that not only is there not necessarily the space to do that, you know, I don't have a tree at my house that's big enough for them sure. to do anything with that. But um, you, it's it's definitely harder. It's harder to, uh, for me as a parent, to allow them to just go ahead and do go it. Go do whatever you want to yeah. do. Yeah. I mean, Even though we were given the same <clears throat> that same freedom though from our folks, right? We were, for sure. Like you know, get out of the house. Yeah, they didn't care where you went; they just wanted you out. Yeah, you're like, okay, just well, come back when the street lights. Yeah, he's like, I guess I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> where do I go? <laughs> just I don't want you in the house. It's just tougher to tougher to do that. Yeah. Anymore. Do you think the smartphones have also the the access to the information so easily is kind of made made us less thinking about possibilities i don't think so uh well i think it's it, it definitely could depending on the personality but i think it also allows people to uh be able to to take it to the nth degree you know you don't like rocco's recently become more interested in cars and so 
like for me, I would have to read magazines or go buy an engine and take it apart. Yeah. And he can go on YouTube and watch 10 videos on how valves work and cam phasing and lobe separation and all these things that I had no idea about. And he can, he's doing that and he's looking that stuff up and he's coming telling me things, you know, you know, and he has questions and he's like, how is it? How come a diesel is so much different than a gas engine? I I really can't tell you because I don't know they're magic. Yeah. But he can go look at that. So it's not, I don't think it, it, I don't think it is an instantaneous, like you don't have any, want to put any effort into anything anymore. I think it just gives you the ability to take it further if you want to. Sure. Or actually, I think it helps you start at, it could also help you start at a better place than, I don't know. And now I got to go take an engine and take it apart where I can like, oh, I don't, I can skip that whole process and I can just fix the thing that I needed to fix. And still have an understanding. So yeah. I guess so. I, I figure I, I just sometimes I feel like with the uh, technology that we have, um, our uh, capacity to think th- things through all the way um, is is not exercised, you know, like a, like something that always needs to be lubricated, right? Like the, like, well, like cars anyways, you, you need the engine to run in order to lubricate all the valves and the gaskets and stuff like that. And if it just sat, the, they would dry out and they would crack and then oil would come flooding out the front of them. Right. So in that way, our brains to me are this kind of the same things that'd be challenged or to think things through all the way, or even be in a place where you're stuck so that you can exercise and lube up your brain. I think it's just different. I think for us, it was more tactile and for them it's more, digital yeah but i think it's the same thing you know a person who knows how to enter the correct things into a google search to get them where they want faster is just as that's a that's a skill and a technique just as much as yeah learning how to shim the valves and do all that kind of stuff it's just different yeah what uh what do you what do you think what do you think about uh technology going further here on out how's that how do you think like it's going to integrate do you think ai is going to integrate in cars and yeah. Yeah. I think AI is going to take, take over 95% of the jobs that are out there. And I, it's kind of surprising to me, people who don't, <clears throat> don't really understand AI and the way I explain it, I think to people is, well, when you were born, you didn't know anything. And so you take in the knowledge that your parents give you, and then you go to school and you take in the, the knowledge that your parents give you, and then you go to maybe further education or jobs you take in. And so each time you're taking in information from one person or one group of people, just think of an AI as a kid and he's, it's taking in information, but it's taking it in from all the people. Yeah. All the places, all the places, all the things. So there's, I think, you know, there's going to be jobs that, that definitely uh, people, you know, I think like hardwood floors and, plumbing and like those jobs that Trade for a jobs, long time yeah. that were kind of shunned i think those are relatively ai proof yeah uh, probably probably not but more than likely but a doctor i mean doctors are really just diagnosing yeah educated guesses super educated yes but it's an educated guess and yeah. so that doctor went to one medical school and he may re- read peer review studies and do all these things but and AI is reading all of the peer-reviewed peer studies and learning from all the schools. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Interesting, so, yeah. Like yeah. There's, 
same thing with writing and movies and like acting is going to eventually just be live performances because with deep fake and all these things that AI can yes. do, you're going to be able to say, I want to watch a movie with Bruce Willis when he was 32 and Salma Hayek when she was 50 that their kid got stolen in Queens, Jamaica, and they need to fly an F-15, to, you know, and, and the, yes. movie, the movie's just going to be created. It's going to be created. Instantly. That's scary. So, I don't know scary. if I want to see that movie. I'd rather have 20-year-old Salma Hayek. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> from Dust Till Dawn. Salma Hayek from Dust Till Dawn and Bruce Willis from Die Hard 1 fly around in F-15s. But it's just going to be... Um, chasing aliens. It's going to be just more easy to tailor. I mean, we already do it, right? So sure. with streaming services and, you know, you, you really... Everything you, you... You watch things you like or you do things you like. And now you have with internet forums and all these things, you can dial it in to be as very specific as you want. Sure. Or you can make it broad and AI is just going to kind of enhance that. From a, from a non climate change perspective, but rather just in the sense of aesthetics or, or even fun. What do you think of electric cars? I think besides the sound, there's nothing that a gas powered car does better than an electric car. Oh, besides just the sound of the sound, blah, 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 blah. sound and the that that feel. The yeah, there's a feeling in your gone. butt. Yeah, but besides that, and the gear change thing. <clears throat> well, I think that bothers me. I have a way to fix that. Do you? I have inventions living in my brain. So we we got Dana that CRV out there, and they you know they switched the transmissions from from an actual mechanical transmission to the to the um the cvt yeah it's a cvt yeah. which whatever um i know that they're efficient and blah 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 blah. but uh there's no gear change yeah and i'm like uh this is just just spin spin is spins up yeah. <laughs> you're just yeah. spinning it up yeah. that's why they had to put turbos on them too because i think they're a little lackluster as well but electric cars you know the <laughs> the power is applied the power is applied uh more effectively like efficiently um, efficiently with torque vectoring and skid control all those things the ability to individually control motors and do all these different things um the charging infrastructure is the biggest problem you know oh yeah it's already you know ford just ford uh, was just uh announced today that they're in talks with tesla to use their charging stations well so that's you know stuff. in europe tesla got in trouble for having <clears throat> their own version sure so I think that's that's going to become much more normal, and once we can get to, you know, little slightly more ubiquitous charging systems. What um, about hydrogen? Because I, I keep hearing hydrogen is going to replace electric really quick. Yeah. So I worked on a Toyota gave us a hydrogen yes, car. Yes, the, they're very popular. With they're Mirai. They gave yeah. it to us uh, four, five years, six years ago. Yeah. And had us do work on it at Kaimeta for the Detroit Auto Show. Um. Hydrogen is very hard to store because uh, it's such a high pressure um, and it's hard to transfer from a pump to the storage unit in the vehicle. I don't think it's, I think it's possible that it'll, it'll be an alternative, but I don't think it's going to advance as fast. And when things, when there's dollars involved. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
yeah, people will just kind of lean towards what's electric cars are already kind of becoming yeah commonplace. I mean, oil was the same way. I mean, the reason why we have petrol cars is because all the oil guys were like, well, we have all this oil. What do we do with it? And there was already electric cars yeah, prior oh, to that. Cars were electric. Yeah, and then, so they were like, well, I guess we'll make uh, these gas cars or diesel cars or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay. And they killed the electric car for a long time. Yeah, I have uh, in my head, like the next fun project I would love to do would be to do electric conversions. I have a bunch of ideas. That I would, love that. I have a ton of ideas <laughs> that uh, would for doing electric conversions. Because one thing I think that's, um, you know, there's the there's the people who make electric cars, the, the, the OEMs and the Teslas and all that stuff. And they kind of tailor the vehicle towards a certain demographic. Sure. The Rivians and the Polestars and yeah, stuff. Yeah, all that stuff is kind of towards the techie person that, uh, you know, maybe is environmentally conscious, but probably just it's the cool thing to have. Um, but I think, and then there's the people who have been doing uh, conversions of older cars using electric components. Um, but those have a tendency to not be well put together. Yeah. You know, they're kind of put together with different parts from different things. And there's toggle switches to do, to turn the heater on. Sure. All these things. Sure. And I think, I think there's a missing, there's a missing marketplace for people who could take a 70 Mustang and do an electric conversion and have it look really good and use all the OEM gauges and you still put the key in the dash to turn it on and all that stuff. I think there's, there's a, there's still a make it really it. tactile and like yeah. a, like a guess. Yeah. And I think, I, honestly, I think the government potentially, you know, with all the subsidies they do and, and tax rebates and stuff for electric cars, I think there'll come a time where you'll be able to get some of those things for converting an old gas car to electric too. Sure. So actually, John, John has a sixty-something Bronco that he's uh, he's got the body and everything for, and he was going to put another two eighty-nine in it, and he was like, "No, nah, yeah, I think he's going to get an electric, yeah. electric in there." So. excuse me and i have a friend who works for tesla so i've seen kind of a lot of the components that go into it and uh, some of the motors and battery packs are like really good for swapping into other things that come out of teslas yeah i was was gonna say my neighbor um next door to us uh who sold the house he lives in california now uh he rebuilt a a little travel trailer Uh and he took a c-max battery out of a Ford C-Max, yeah. and that was his power for, yeah. and he just built a cool little cabinet, shoved it in there, and wired the whole thing to it with a solar panel on the top. And I was like, dude, that's genius. He goes, yeah, this thing was at a scrapyard. The C-Max was in an accident, and it's just sitting there, and I said, hey, can I just pull that out? And they're like, sure. <laughs> just yeah, took a giant lithium battery out. There's a lot of people that are coming up with tech that's really cool. That's electric tech that's really cool. That's not necessarily just an electric car. Yeah. So. Well, Adam, thank you so much for coming and spending the evening with me and uh, and doing this. I missed you so much, and I just love chatting with you. <laughs> yeah. And I know our lives have gotten busy and whatnot, but uh, I was I was waiting for a moment where I could have you on. You could ask you could ask our friend uh, Trina, and I said uh, I said I gotta get him on. I just I gotta find that moment where I can get him on. And and uh, she said, well, after IPD event <laughs> is over, then he's gonna be very available. Yeah. I was like, okay. So uh, I'll I'll double dip and have you guys over on Sunday too, and we'll sure. have some dinner as well. And I think it'll be a good time. So, anyways, hey, I'll pour a little. I'll just put a little more in there. For sure, you. I forgot to do a whole lot. 
because I know you got to drive home to North Seattle. Yep. Traffic would be a little bad. Yeah, I'll give it a little time. Oh, good. You'll stay and just chat with me for a minute? For sure. Okay, good. All right. Well, sir. Yeah, when you and John want to have a little hot sauce tasting, you let me know. Yeah, dude. There's going to be a lot of coughing and vomiting probably on my part. Oh, I, can, I can tailor. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be surprised. One of the things I've learned is that <clears throat> not just the different peppers, but yeah. the different people who make it, they've they've got the ability to um, – they're very flavorful. Even some of the low heat stuff is, is super flavorful and really good. So, I hiccup. Yeah, I do too. If it's really, okay. if it's if, it, if it's really it doesn't hot, take much yeah. though for me though. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we should definitely do that. Actually, bring some over on Sunday, sure, and do a little. Knowing that I'm not really high on this the Schofield, yeah, Scoville, I, yeah, the Scoville. I'm not very high on the Scoville, on the Scoville thing. So, Ooh. little music there. There you go. Well, Adam, thank you so much again yep. for joining me, and uh, cheers, brother. Cheers. <laughs>